0: Hello, my name's Rachel Silver. Welcome to Step Life, a podcast all about blended families. I decided to do a podcast on step families as four years ago, I met my now husband and he had three children. I was a single girl living alone and going out with someone with children was a huge shock and completely new to me. None of my friends were dating or had dated anyone with children and just couldn't relate to what it was like. And I really had no one to talk to about it. I hope this podcast helps anyone in a blended family, whether you're a step mum, step the partner of someone with kids, a biological birth parent or biological or step grandparent, or if you grew up in a step family. I also hope it gives some insight to people not in blended families about what it's like. And it raises awareness as blended families are currently the fastest growing form of families in the UK. In this series, I speak to people in blended families and find out more about their situation, as well as a psychotherapist who specializes in step families, a family lawyer who deals with step families, divorce, custody and financial settlements, and a co-parenting coach who helps divorced or separated parents get along better and co-parent together. The series was recorded a few weeks ago before lockdown. However, in light of coronavirus, I wanted to talk about it and how it's affecting and impacting stepfamilies. The UK government has allowed children in separated families to move between households in lockdown if their parents are separated. For some people, this has been positive with a change of scene for children by moving between different homes and it also gives parents some respite from homeschooling or to focus on work. However, for others, they may not have seen their children for weeks if communications with their ex or children has broken down or if their ex-partner lives far away or if someone in one household is self-isolating or vulnerable. For separated parents, this period may have provided the opportunity to stop pointless arguments, point scoring and just pull together. While for others, it may have caused even more problems and disagreements such as arguments over maintenance, custody or parenting. Scylla Apeening is a stepmum and she also has her own children and she's the founder of the Mums Club which she set up to provide an open and safe place to highlight the very highs and the lows of being a stepmum. I'm really delighted to be joined by Scylla to talk about coronavirus and the implications of the virus to her blended family and for her to give some advice to others who are in step family. So hi Scylla, thanks so much for joining us. Hi. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm not doing too bad at all. Um
1: we homeschool so the difference to our everyday life is not that big apart from not going to really the park or seeing friends after school hours. Wow,
0: so you're a complete pro at this?
1: <laughs> I guess so. I'm I'm a homebody anyway, so it's it really I mean, obviously having hubby go to work, um Albeit less than, you know, the Monday to the Friday, it's a bit nerve-wracking. But apart from that, yeah, it's all really it's all good really.
0: <laughs> so so tell me a bit about your step family or blended family, as some people call it.
1: Okay, so I have three daughters. My first daughter is my husband's stepdaughter. And then my husband has two sons from two different mothers who I do not talk to and don't particularly get along with. The children, the five of them, they get along really well. That part of blending has been seamless. It's, you know, you have the usual kind of sibling tiff, but they introduce each other as brothers and sisters to everybody. Um, they have fun and they're all happy. In terms of co-parenting, co-mothering, that's a bit of a mess.
0: So how's it kind of worked out in light of lockdown? Are you all, are all the kids living with you? Are they between homes? How's it kind of working? So in a normal season,
1: the boys will come around on the weekend and half of every holiday. But now, obviously, every household is going to be observing differently and can't control that. And I know with one of my son's households, I can't be sure how they're observing rules and where I have a one year old and a three year old. So we've decided to not have him go between his home and our home for this period. And my husband agreed with me. Uh, I let him know my reasons why. And I remember when this COVID stuff was happening and people started to really think, oh, my goodness, you know, we could actually catch it. My youngest, my one-year-old, developed a, a crazy fever. Like, it was mental to the point where I just wasn't sleeping. I I was just watching her. And that really put me on edge. It just made me feel like if I was relaxed before, I'm no longer. So I just said to my husband, like, we can't risk it. He has to stay at home. And then we'll just keep in contact via telephone, like FaceTime and things like this. With my other son, we've already experienced issues with visitation anyway. So I feel like this whole corona virus season has been a very perfect opportunity for the other household to stop visitation. And it's something that I feel like we're going to have to legally address after this season has passed. But having said that, I know the government did say that, you know, children can swing from home to home and try and keep that kind of normality going. But I I also know that it's very understandable if a birth mum or a resident parent wants to keep their child from going to the non-resident parents' home. I mean, it's understandable because they may be scared as well. They can't really see how you're observing the kind of rules that we have to do in terms of lockdown. So it's understandable. It's a bit tricky to navigate. But I mean, where you have something official in place, it just comes down to breaching, doesn't it?
0: So your husband hasn't seen his two sons since the beginning of lockdown? Yes, And how's he coping with that?
1: Do you know what? He is doing okay because with one son, of course, he knows it's an option. And we can always change our mind. It seems that things may be easing up, may not be, but it seems like they may be. So the kind of idea that it it really is a season that shall pass is a good motivator for him. In terms of his other son, I mean... We've been through so much anyway, in terms of a visitation. He's really not as affected as before. Do you know when you go through hardship, unfortunately for some people, it just becomes their norm and they develop coping mechanisms within that kind of experience and they move forward. And where he has children that need him here, and obviously as his wife, I need him, he has found ways to just kind of get on with it and you know, fight the matter or address the matter when he can. And unfortunately, in the season, he cannot. So he kind of just gets on with it, really. I mean, I couldn't really tell you what happens internally, like if he's sad at night or, you know, if he, if he thinks about it often. But I know from day to day, he's pretty strong and he doesn't seem to be moved by it
0: currently. And how are the boys? So they just accept it and they're okay with? So my sons are uh, 11
1: and 12. And I've been in their life since they were five and six. And the kind of parenting situation has always been a bit up and down, a bit unorganised, a bit intermittent in terms of visitation and like social gatherings and things like this. So the boys, although they don't verbalise that they know, we know they know they understand what's happening and they understand that kind of ups and downs happen in seasons. So they're okay. I know they're okay. And they understand that things may not be okay in the parenting area of our family, but them as children, they, they are fine. They get to speak to their siblings. You know, the boys have mobile phones. Uh, The boys get to speak to each other. And I feel like maybe they're kind of used to us, not really blending as well as we could be blended.
0: And because the boys um, have different mothers, do they still speak to each other? Are they quite close within themselves? Yeah,
1: yeah. so my husband's done a good job at keeping the children together. Like I said, they do feel that they're siblings, that they love each other, care about each other, want to find out about each other and where the boys are older than the girls. Um, and they have mobile phones they can reach out they do reach out especially if they want money (laughs) Um, so they we have that communication with them I mean there are some times where you know uh, one of my sons will just ring and he'll literally have his ask for his dad and then he's just talking to his sisters and then
0: he comes off the phone And, and and in the in the sense that he doesn't speak to you is that what you mean?
1: No, no. Well, no. He he wouldn't outrightly ask to speak to me, but there's times where I do take the phone and I'll, I'll say things like, you know, I'm still alive, in case you're wondering, like I'm not dead. Do
0: you know what? I think that's quite natural for boys, though, and that age. Yeah, exactly.
1: I, I just feel like, I mean, they kind of treat me the same way they treat their sisters anyway. They're just very, like, unless you kind of say, come sit down and talk to me or I want to show you something. They're very, like, to themselves. Like, the females are very much like, you guys do girly stuff and I'm going to play fight with my dad. They've taught me how to be a boy mum. I think it's very different from being a girl mum. And I just feel like, like, boys are just that way, aren't they? They just come chill when food is ready. They will tell you, like, little snippets of their life until you kind of pry a bit. And as they get older, they get a bit more anti-social, don't they? Well, in yeah. my experience anyway. Um, and I've kind of seen that with my male cousins and stuff like that. They're not really involved unless it's maybe a party. Unless there's like a deliberate gathering, they're just kind of there doing their own thing. And, and that's okay with me. I don't, I don't feel any kind of way. I don't feel like, oh, come sit on my lap and tell me about your feelings. Like, my, my daughters do all of that stuff. It's enough.
0: And how how are your daughters feeling about not seeing their brothers?
1: Um, They're used to it. I mean, before the corona season happened, there was a very long period where they didn't see one of their brothers. And I know my three-year-old, she cried quite a bit. And she would say things like she would say, you know, why doesn't he love me? Why isn't he calling me? I just miss him. Or there'll be times where she'll come and talk to me and she'll say, Oh, it's daddy's fault. Why doesn't daddy just go and get him? Why isn't he not picking him up anymore? It's daddy's fault. And obviously, a three year old is really, really hard to rationalize with them and try and make them understand it's not what they think. So that was really sad for us. But, you know, now she gets it. I mean, she's still three, she's almost four. But she gets that there's just going to be some times where she doesn't see her brother. And now that she has the option to call, I think it's made her okay. My nine-year-old, she, she just gets it, really. We're quite honest with her anyway. So she, she understands a lot of what's happening. She doesn't understand why it's happening, but she just she accepts what we're saying. And she just kind, she just kind of waits until her brothers appear again.
0: So because there's been, obviously, custody issues with your sons, the actual impact of coronavirus hasn't changed so much of your family unit, apart from the fact that you have said to your husband, look, it's dangerous, the kids coming and going, just because we can't control what they're doing in their homes.
1: Yeah, so there hasn't been any custody issues, no, it's just visitation issues. So that's different, but... Between all three households, we don't know what's happening in each household. And I think in situations like this, you have to put yourself in each other's shoes. Where, say, one parent would want to keep visitations happening and another parent didn't want to, it just makes more sense for that child to stay where they normally stay in their residential home because... At the end of the day, you don't want to feel scared for your child. You don't want to be worried and you can't impact any kind of rules or opinions in the other person's household. It's just impossible for you to do that. So I feel like we're very understanding as a family that although visitation may be impacted at the end of the day, you know, God forbid, if, you know, the child was moving from home to home and something did happen in terms of catching the virus or symptoms of you know, what What would you say? I'm sorry. It, it wouldn't be good enough, would it? So it's just best to ride the season out knowing that it will end. Obviously, if this was a permanent thing and this was life forever and ever, that's a different conversation. But we all truly believe that this is a season and it will end. So I think it's understandable if, you know, parents are acting, I mean, selfishly or out of fear or just being difficult because they can. I mean, you just have to start giving out passes because when this season is over, it can be back to business.
0: Yeah, I think you have to, like you say, have a sort of understanding that this isn't normal times and you kind of have to just adapt. And you may not, for example, have the children full time normally, but maybe you have to if someone is self-isolating in the other home or vulnerable or like you say, you can't control what they're doing. But I suppose in reality, not everyone agrees with that. And that's where you can have disagreements and problems.
1: Absolutely. But at the same time, you have to just kind of look into yourself and weigh up what you can control. Like, for example, you've had your children, like, say, the stepmom has had their stepchildren every weekend or, you know, half of the year, and the other half they're with their mum or their resident parent, right? Coronavirus has happened and the resident parent is saying, no, I'm going to stop all visitation because let's just say she's operating from a place of fear. Obviously, it may look to you that she's being malicious or this is a perfect reason for her to pull visitation for her own kind of selfish needs or maybe just to suck it to us, whatever the reason may be you can't control what she's doing. Like It's not like you can put out an application for court and then go and fight it. There's nothing you can do in, in, in this process because everybody, we all understand we're in a pandemic. The best thing for you to do is to actually not get yourself wound up. You look at the situation and you see what you can control, and what you can't control. If you've decided, or if you can plainly see that I can't control this, you have to then say to yourself, I'm not now going to engage in an argument that will result in nothing. I'm not going to now constantly express my negative feelings towards this situation and the outcome still be the same because you're going to put yourself in a negative headspace and you won't be able to pull yourself out until you just accept what is happening. People are upset that they can't, you know, just go into Asda and walk out like they used to. If you want food, you're going to have to queue up. You just have to accept it. You can't fight. You can't argue. You just have to cue. Do you know what I'm saying? You have to accept what you cannot change. And when you can change it, absolutely use that energy that you preserve to do that.
0: So with um, communications with your stepson's mothers, does your husband deal with that? Or do you ever speak to them and get involved? No. Well, in in the beginning,
1: I was very naive. I was very like, you will like me. Let's all meet. Let's be a happy family. And I found out, I learned the hard way very quickly that I was not accepted in the parenting party. And then as time went by and I I still try to reach out, I still try to be you know, understanding. And, you know, I was a single mum too. I get it. Don't worry. I get it. I, you know, the consistency of you're not welcome kind of just hit me in the face. And there was indirects. So I've never had like a direct conversation, but there was indirects attacking my character, my motives and what I see myself as in terms of a stepmom. And at that point, I just told my husband that I am now disengaged anything to do, you know, with any drama that's happening, anything like that just dropped me out because at this point I would be crying for no reason. I will be blamed for children not seeing their father. My whole character was getting dragged. Like I was being accused of things that I, I wasn't even doing. And to me, this was a wow. It's just like, you know, what have I done? What have I done to you? So I was just, I, I start to get anxiety. It's like, Oh my gosh, it's the weekend now, you know, or after drop off, it's like, I'm I'm looking at my husband's phone, what text message is going to come through? What's going to happen? I just couldn't, I couldn't. And even speaking to you now about my thoughts and my feelings and my experience that was, you know, trying to be muted. Like I, I wasn't allowed to talk about my experience and my feelings because, you know, it was indirectly speaking about other people. But my feelings are valid. I should be allowed to speak about it. So all, all these kind of things just made me feel like, you know, what I, I can't be involved like this kind of side of things. I don't want to be involved. And when the children do come around, there'll be times where I feel like, OK, I can't manage. I'm just going to go out and be with my friends. But of course, the way I see things now is that I'm a stepmom in the first place to support my husband and whatever he needs me to support. And then secondary to that, whatever the children feel like they need of me, if I can give it to them, I'll definitely give it to them. But I am behind my husband as opposed to by his side when it comes to parenting the boys, if that makes sense.
0: No, that completely makes sense. So if he, for example, if you wanted to go on holiday with the boys, would he sort it out with their mums and then tell you? Or would he discuss it with you? Let's go these dates and then speak to them.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's impossible for that to happen in my household. Me and my husband, we understand that we are actually the team and Everything that we want, as in, I didn't come to my husband and said, I'm now disengaged, deal with it. I had to speak to him. I had to make him understand. I I had to, you know, have him agree. Do you understand? The same way anything that pertains to him in life needs to come through me first. So when it comes to his children, you know, any kind of relations, him wanting to quit work, find a new job, anything, it needs to be a discussion with me first. When we've sorted out our thoughts and feelings concerning it, then you can branch out and speak to whoever else you need to speak to. But I am the first port of communication. And that is my thought process about anything that I do in my life. As in, we are one, we are a team, and no one can pierce through that team. Like, it's just me and him. And then the children are underneath us and everyone else is underneath them.
0: I think that the way that you sort of describe that and speak is amazing. And it's something that we should all try and strive to be like. But in the moment or at the time, it can be so difficult in reality. Absolutely.
1: Don't ever think that my today was my two years ago. Or my three years ago, absolutely not. There'll be times where I felt so violated. Like, though I, I can't really think of a prime example, but there's definitely sometimes times where I've been an afterthought and it's just like, what? Like, like if you feel like he's made the decision, why are you chiming me in now kind of thing? I've had those kind of situations or there's been times where he's been feeling a certain way about something that I'm doing or not doing perhaps and he hasn't spoken about it, but. He's acted out. that there, there's 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 cases where extended family know about situations that I wish that they didn't know about pertaining to our blended family. You know, there's there's been things like that, but we've had to talk it through. And I'm very I am what I call confrontational, but in a very positive way. I don't like there to be a problem, and then I just have to kind of pretend that it's not there. If there's an issue, I need to confront it, and I'm. Very much like at the end of all my kind of sentences, when I'm trying to confront a situation, it's what now? That that is my end. What now? What is the the resolution? What is the result? How are we moving forward? I can't stand any kind of situation where we're arguing, we're arguing, we're arguing, and it's like okay, I understand how you feel, and then that that's it. It's like okay, so our action points are now what. And I was very persistent in that way with my husband. It's like, sit down, we need to talk. And don't get me wrong, he pushed back. It's like, I don't want to talk about this. Loads of conversations about, oh, Priscilla, you don't understand how I feel. You're not a dad. No one's taking your kids away. No, you don't have to go from household to do pickups and drop-offs. You this, you that. Very much like, you don't get it, Priscilla. And it's like, okay, what now? Are you going to make me understand So we had to have them conversations where he had to search in himself and try and articulate how he was feeling and what he wanted me to do to help and how I'm not helping. So now he says, you know, when I'm saying negative things about my situation or I'm venting, I don't need you to drop your negative bombs as well. So if he's saying, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. I hate this. And I'm like, yeah, this is crazy. This is disgusting. This is he doesn't need that. He needs me to either be silent or to try and get him out of that. But this was all kind of trial and error. This was lots of talking. This was loads of crying on my part. This is loads of, I didn't sign up for this. And, you know, this is affecting our marriage. Like, do you want to be married? Because, you know, I can walk away. All, all of them conversations happened. And now we're at a place of, you protect me. I protect you. We protect the family.
0: And do you find it hard that you have uh, your two stepsons and that you sort of get no gratitude or praise or validation from their mums?
1: No, I I don't care. And again, my today is not my two years ago or whatever. It did annoy me because, you know, you think to yourself, if I was really a wicked step mum, like I have so many opportunities to really do wicked things so many opportunities, but I would never as in I protect your children, I feed your children, I care for your children, I listen to your children, but I could be the complete opposite of that. And then it made me think, like, what would you what would you like? Do you want me to be wicked? So everything that you're saying is justified. And then I just had to have a word with myself, like Priscilla, like like why are you really why are you like being nice? Why do you care for these children? In the first place, they are you know, they are from my husband and I love my husband. Anything attached to my husband, I love my husband. I didn't meet, you know, my sister-in-law or my husband's nieces and nephews or any ones of his friends or family and thought, I love you for who you are. No, I love you because my husband loves you in the first place. Secondly to that, I see you, you're a child, you need things. There's things you cannot do without an adult. I do that for you because you need this adult. You need this person. And then the third thing is, I know you now. I've built this communication, this affection, this love for you. I I see you as mine. I recognize you as mine. I'll protect you and nurture you and love you like you're mine. I don't care who sees it, who has an opinion on it. The same way I don't care who sees my motherhood from the girls that I birthed and who has an opinion on that. Like, this is how I do things in my home and I don't need a thank you from anyone else. The proof is in the pudding. The children are happy. The children like me. The children call on me. The children tell me things. Do you understand? Like the children are not horrible to me. That's all the thanks that I need. I I don't do this for validation. Again, you know, I I don't say like this is an easy kind of space to get into. Because the fact of the these are not your children and you do your very best for them. Why wouldn't you get a thank you? But also, that's my husband's job. It's for my husband to say, all right, guys, it's Mother's Day. What are we going to do for my wife? Let's go out and buy her some gifts. OK, guys, it's my wife's birthday or... For him, when we're in bed alone together, to say, you know what, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so glad that you're here to support me. I'm so glad that you're here to help me sign papers and read through things so I don't get it wrong and fill applications. It's for my husband to really be that cheerleader and to let me know that he loves all that I am for our family. Nobody else can really speak to my heart better than him anyway.
0: Silla, tell me about the Stepmum Club and what it is and why you set it up. So basically, the Stepmum Club is an open space where
1: people, as in birth mums, stepmums and also people outside of blended families can see basically what step kind of blended family looks like. To kind of debunk the kind of myths and the wicked stepmum narrative that is being pushed even today. It's just a place where... You know, birth mums can perhaps understand what step mums are feeling and thinking, so that if they can't speak to their own kind of stepmum in their child's life, they can kind of understand maybe that she might be feeling this way and vice versa with the stepmom to the the birth mum because I found there's loads of forums now. Not so much when I became a step mum five years ago, but there's loads now. But they're all closed. And it's all kind of surrounded about venting and having coaches that give you ambiguous advice and no real action steps. And then I'm left with the what now? So so how is that meant to help? Do you understand what I mean? But where the Set Moms Club is an open space where we can actually have conversations, hear from different points of views and actually get tips and ideas about how other people overcame the very similar situations that we all go through. I found it to be a space that was necessary for everyone, but especially for me when I felt like nothing was really helping
0: and I didn't want to spend loads of money for therapy. I mean you've obviously made amazing leaps and bounds when you say this was not my two years ago, three years ago. What would you say to that person who may be embarking on the stepmum or stepdad journey and where you are now, what advice would you sort of give them? I
1: would basically say that they should remember that they did not enter into a blended family to become anyone's step parent but because they love the partner who they're with now and that should be their main focus before anything. It's how do we keep us strong? How do we grow through our experiences and how do we support one another? And from a step-parent perspective, it really is about working out what type of parent do you want to be? Because being a step-parent is so, like there's no rule book to it. You have to do what works for you and you have to be able to allow yourself to know that It may not work this month, but it will work next month. And it's really a journey that you're going to have to go through and you just have to be very committed to the process. Everything is trial and error. Try and work out what kind of parent that you want to be. What are the kind of three or maybe four conditions that you will not compromise on? And what are the three or four conditions that you are happy to compromise on and work through the gaps as you go along? But knowing that you have your partner there to support you is the most important thing. And if you and your partner are not, you know, on the same page from the beginning going forward, it's probably a good thing to try and get help or be a part of a community early, early on before any kind of issues present itself.
0: And Silla, so the stepmom's Club... What have people within the club been saying about sort of coronavirus and how it's impacted and affected their families? Are most people sort of finding it a way to sort of unite with their exes and come together, or do you think it's doing the opposite?
1: I, it's been a mixed bag. So I've had a few people say, um, I see my uh, stepchildren a lot more because we've decided it's healthier to go one week on one week off as opposed to every weekend or every other weekend there's some people that have said yeah it's brought us closer together because we're forced to communicate so that we all stay well and healthy and then there's been the flip side where people are saying people are taking advantage we're going to court I haven't seen my children I knew this was going to happen you know all the kind of guidelines that the government have given has been ignored. So it's completely half and half. I don't want to outrightly say that COVID has made things bad for blended families, but it has definitely made people reconsider where the results are sometimes negative and sometimes positive. But that's just the way with blended families. Every household, even though we're in similar or same
0: situations, the outcome is always, almost always different. Scylla, what advice would you give to biological parents and how they can best support their partners who are stepmums or stepdads?
1: In general, to the stepmums out there, please just sit down with your partner and just make them really understand what being a stepmum is like. When you are joining kind of support groups or pages, let your husband read, let your husband see a book for him because there's some things that your partners, they really, you know, don't understand or they don't consider. And when you are a strong team, everything feels so much easier. Like I can put my whole heart on it when you and your partner are on the same page and you've got the same kind of family values for all of your children. Everything is easier because you know that one person has got you and you've got them and everything kind of falls into line after that. So please guys, chime your husbands in. Don't kind of embark on this stepmom journey by yourself. Do it with your partner. And if you find anything out there for stepdads, Definitely get them to join them communities as well, although I don't think there is anything out there. (laughs) I've, you know, searched for podcasts myself, and I'm really, really fed up of getting all the advice from Americans. It seems like blended families is such an American thing, but in the UK, it's literally like every other door down the road where there's a blended family. And it's just so nice to know that there's other people like in your country that are speaking out about it, the more kind of exposure we can get to blended living in the UK, the better. So thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Scylla, so much for sharing your story and also all your advice to people in a step family during this difficult time. I hope the things that we've talked about help anyone in a blended family and the rest of the series raises awareness of blended family life. If you've enjoyed listening, please do subscribe to the series and rate the podcast as apparently it helps people find it. And for more information about the podcast and also about the Stepmums Club, please go to the show notes. Thanks so much for listening.